one, thank you to all of those in our worship team and then those in our media, video, and sound, and audio who are allowing us to be able to better worship the Lord by knowing what they're singing about. Amen. Thank, you, thank God he's a fortress for the weak. The strength to carry me when I'm overwhelmed. Raise your hand if you've ever been overwhelmed. Yeah. Thank God for the fact we can be on our knees and trust the Lord. Philippians chapter number 1. Last week, we looked at several verses, and I want to go further to look at another verse today. It's a great verse in the Word of God. We're saying to our class this morning that context matters. Sometimes we recognize the significance of verses isolated by themselves. Can't really appreciate the depth of their meaning until we study them in context with the other verses around them. Philippians 1.6 is one of those verses. Let's read the couple verses before it and then see if we can crescendo into verse number 6 with a greater appreciation for what verse 6 says. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now get this verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That verse is so good, I think we can read it out loud together. All right? Verse 6. Ready to begin. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus. Let the church say amen. amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Use the Bible. You've done it time and time again. We have no doubt that today will be no different. Now, Lord, we know that the word has been given. Now, help us to receive it and to reproduce it in our lives. For somebody that doesn't know Jesus today, thank God that you can save souls today. Speak to hearts. Move in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Our theme for 2024 around here at Crossroads Baptist Church, for those of you that don't know is what you see on the screens right now, more and more. Say it together, more and more. We say that at the end of every service to remind us of what we are trying to theme our lives on for the year, more and more. We, we got that theme right out of this text here in Philippians chapter number one, and it comes out of verse number nine where Paul, the apostle, Paul, the servant of God, Paul, the one that got saved out of a life of persecuting the church, of killing Christians, of 
going against Jesus, but the one that got saved and his life changed. And then instead of going against Jesus, he lived for Jesus. Instead of persecuting the church, he promoted the church. Instead of proclaiming false doctrine, he was a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of living a life that disappointed God, he was living a life that was devoted to God. Paul went to Philippi. God started the church in Philippi. The people in Philippi, when Paul entered, they were lost on their way to hell. God planted the church. They got baptized. And now the church is serving. And now Paul is still living for God. And this church has meant something to him. At the time of this writing, the Paul that had started this church, the Paul that was preaching the truth, the Paul that was a gospel representer, the Paul that was living what God wanted him to live was now the Paul in prison. Locked up for doing right. Say amen if you've ever gotten in trouble for doing right. And you will. More and more as these end times come. So now Paul is writing back to the church and this church is dear to him and he's talking to them. And his prayer, verse number 9, is that they would abound more and more. We, we talked about that when we began this series. This abound is the word to overflow. Paul said, I, I, I want the good in you. And the good in you is love. This love, this God love, this agape love. The love that God had for you when he gave Jesus. The love you're supposed to have for God when you love him. The love you're supposed to have for each other. He said, you've got it, Philippi. I'm glad you have it, but I don't just want you to just have it. I want it to be abounding in you. I want it to be overflowing in you. I want it to be growing in you. I want it to be developing in you. I want it to be soaring in you. Listen to me, beloved. Please listen. Men, women, boys, and girls. It is not enough to be a Christian with some good in you if your good isn't growing. I mean, going somewhere. And the foundation of the Christian life is our love, our love for God, our, our love for other people. This is the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. And the second is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen, listen, you can't live for God if you don't love God. And you can't love people if you don't love God. And you can't say you love God if you don't love somebody. Help me preach. It's the foundation of everything that we're doing. So Paul is writing that they abound more and more. He begins with an introductory greeting, and we talked about that. He started off talking about who he was and what he meant, what they meant to him. And he wrote to them, and he's saying, I've got something to say, and I'm saying with grace and peace. I want you to know that I'm greeting you with grace and peace. As I'm in prison, there's something that the prison can't stop me from sending you, and that's grace. And aren't you glad that your circumstances can't take away your grace and peace? Amen. And so he offers them grace and peace from God through Jesus Christ. Last week, he moved on from the introductory greeting to what we called an individual gratitude. He started verse number three saying it this way, I thank my God. Can we say those words together? I thank my God. Say it again. I thank my God. I don't know if you've noticed it, but when you have a thankful spirit, your attitude is better. Uh-huh. Let's say it again. I thank my God. Say it again. I thank my God. The church should be ascending in spirit as we say that. See, see, ungrateful people are not fun to be around. Can I get an amen? Uh, ungrateful people are unhappy people. See, when you're not thankful, you're probably complaining. And when you're complaining, you remind yourself that things aren't right. And people don't treat you well. And you got the short end of the stick. And life is not fair. But when you are thankful, you remind yourself that God doesn't owe you anything. Come on now. You remind yourself that if God gave me what I deserved, I'd be on my way to a devil's hell. I wonder if there's anybody thankful in the building that you're not going to hell. Amen. And so Paul says, I thank my God. His individual gratitude was a personal response. He said, what? 
what you do, what you're doing, who you are, Philippi, causes me to respond a certain way, to thank my God. He gave a pleasant remembrance of them upon every remembrance of you. In other words, as I'm in this prison cell, when I think about the Philippians, it's a joy to remember you. God help us to be Christians that people remember us and have pleasant memories. Amen. You don't want to be a rebel rouser. You don't, you don't, you, you don't want to be somebody that's, that's known for being messy. It's known for being evil. That's known for being a gossip. That's, that's known for being unkind. Un, uh, for, that's known for being uh, uh, unlovely. That's known for being someone that is selfish and, and self-centered. Paul said, I thank my God. You know what we're going to find later in this, in this book? That Philippians is the one church that sent money to Paul as a missionary. When, when others didn't, uh, they were the ones that said, Paul, we love you enough to do something for how many of how many you been around people that say they love you but won't do nothing? See, love without giving is not love at all. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So he says, I have a pleasant remembrance of you. I have a prayerful reoccurrence about you. Verse number four, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. I'm always praying for you. How many of you enjoy praying for people that are pleasant? How many of you have to work at praying for people that are, come on, come on, now tell the truth and shame the devil. You, you know you should pray for them, but it's a little bit of a struggle. And while you're asking God to bless them, part of your mind said, God, and you've got them faults in your mind because, because their name associates with negativity. Their name associates with something of, by way of conflict or crisis that's happened between the two of you. Paul said, no, 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 no. When I make a request of you, Philippians, I make it with joy. I enjoy asking God to bless people that bless me. He says, I have a partnering relationship with you. Verse number five. Here's why I like praying for you. Here's why I request with joy. He says, I request because you fellowship with me in the God. Aren't you glad if you're saved, you can fellowship with other Christians in the gospel? Remember, we talked about this last week. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, the gospel is this, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. Talk to me now, he, he was, and he, come on, no, no, everybody, we need all the participants from the floor to the balcony, he, he was, he, and that's good news. If you believe it, say amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Guess how the blood got applied? When they killed him. Amen. And I like when the middle of that song where he said, in three days he rose again. Aren't you glad he rose again? Listen, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. Isn't that good news? It's good news for black people. It's good news for white people. It's good news for Americans. It's good news for non-Americans. It's good for rich people. It's good news for poor people. It's good for educated people. It's good for uneducated people. It's good for people that's born on this side of the track. People born on the, it doesn't matter who you are, the fact. And I said a fact, by the way. The gospel is not a theory. No, I wish somebody would say amen. I said the gospel is not a theory. Well, well, what do you believe? Some people believe he died. Some people believe in Allah. Some people believe in Confucius. And some, you believe in what you want to believe. But the fact of the matter is there's only one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. There is salvation in none other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be. Jesus is not a way. He is. I need some amens here. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes 
mother and father, but by, you can go a lot of places, different routes, but you can only go to heaven one route. You can only get through one door. Listen, a whole bunch of people in the family of God, I don't have to know how you, what the circumstances surrounding you getting saved at church, at home, when you're at a funeral, when you're going through a difficult time. Somebody gave you a track. Somebody led you to the Lord. You saw a crusade. You came to church and somebody took you. I don't know the circumstances around your salvation, but I do know one thing. If you sit in this building, in the family of God today without talking to you, without hearing you, without fingerprinting you, without doing a background check out of you. There's one thing I know about you if you're in the family of God. You all came through the same door. Amen. Jesus, I'm the door. You can't get in the family of God unless you go through the door of Jesus Christ. So he says we have a common friendship and your continued faithfulness in the, in other words, you joined in. We, we, we became partners. Amen. Amen. Listen, when you get saved, you don't just get snatched out of hell. You become a partner in the work. Hey, listen, salvation is not just God doing the work so I can be saved. It's God doing the work so I can be saved. And then after I get saved, it's time for me to do some work. Amen. What, what, is, what, is the, what is the work of a Christian? It's gospel work. I was talking to my class this morning. It's being a witness. It's everywhere we go, sharing the God. Did you tell anybody about Jesus this week? Come on. Pastor, come on. Don't get on me about telling people about Jesus. I came here. I got bills to pay. I got trials in my life. I got birth. It's amazing how many things in your life will get better when you start talking about Jesus. I mean, sharing the Paul said, you, you are fellowshipping in the gospel. And watch this now. He said, you fellowshiped from the first day until now. Boy, I tell you what, it's not hard to find hit and miss Christian. I'm talking about stop and go Christian. I'm talking about on and off Christians. See, see sometimes our mission is based on our mood. Anybody listening? Sometimes we're only as good of a Christian as our attitude is. And so I don't, I don't tell you about Jesus today because I got enough on my plate. I'll tell you about Jesus when I feel good about it. That's why some people have such a good time at church and such a bad time at home. Because they have all of these aids and all of these contributors to make their experience at church those couple hours so good. I mean, you see them out of way, make a promise, keep a heavy load, bear a comfort when you're lonely, bread when you're hungry, water when you're old, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you go home and you fight the devil by yourself and you got the flesh, you got them crazy coworkers and you got that bad traffic and you got this flesh that wakes up every single day and you go, it don't feel as good on Monday like it felt on Sunday. But listen to me, you got to understand something. When you leave this building and you are a child, of God. You may be off from your nine to five when you leave work on Friday, but you are never off from being a Christian. Paul said, I, I, I get happy talking about you because of your faithfulness. What, a, what an individual for gratitude that Paul shares. This morning, can we look a few moments at what I call an inspirational guarantee? An inspirational guarantee. Paul said, I want you to abound more and more, more and more. Paul, Paul says, I, I, I'm thinking about you and I'm thanking God. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying. I'm, I'm thinking about you and I'm making requests to God with joy. I'm, I'm thinking about you and I have pleasant feelings when I think about you. Now today, I don't want you to just focus on the people in your life about whom you do not have pleasant feelings because that would take the message and kind of put us off on a side road that wouldn't be beneficial. So instead of thinking about who doesn't give you pleasant feelings, think about yourself and who you give pleasant feelings to. 
Because you can't control how pleasant people make you think about them, but you can make your actions live in such a way so that when they think about you, they have, listen, it ought to be that when people have your mind, have your name cross their mind, that they get joy about it. Now, Paul says, let me tell you why. Look at verse number four. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making mention, uh, prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. Do you, did you pray for anybody this past week? Three of you prayed for somebody <laughs> past week, and, and the three that got prayed for need to pray for the other ones that didn't pray. Let's try it again. Did you pray for anybody this past week? Yes. We need to be a praying church. Don't do, do good just to have a prayer list. If you don't have some prayer lips, preach pastor, your prayer list needs some prayer lips. Hmm. You prayed for somebody. Now, Paul says, I'm praying for you, Philippi, and I'm praying for you with joy. I get happy asking God to bless you because I know if he blesses you, you're going to use it to serve him. What do you use your blessings for this week? Do you do have blessings? Let's make sure I'm talking, I know who I'm talking to. Say amen if God's blessed you. No, he ain't blessed me at all this week. Are you alive? You living in a free country? You got a Bible in front of you? You saved and going to heaven? You got food on your table? Not the food I like. Hey, listen, there's food. Roof over your head. I don't see anybody naked in here. Say amen to that. I mean, it's not the place to come naked. And I'll tell you what, a lot more nakedness going on in the world should be. And some of it's going on in the church. Amen. This is, a church is not the place for you to practice nakedness. Anybody listening? I'll move on if you agree with me. Even if you don't, if you pretend. The place is not the place, the church is not the place to practice nakedness. Y'all want me to move on. Mm-hmm. You're blessed. I'm blessed. But Paul says, I like praying for people who will use their blessings to serve God more. And I'm praying for you with joy. Why? Because you're, you're fellowshipping in the gospel and you're faithful about it. You're, you're a friend of mine. Who are your friends? Who are your friends? I tell preachers all the time, friend's not a word I'm loose with. Let me say that again. Friend is not a word I'm loose with. I, I, I don't call everybody my friends, and I don't like everybody calling me theirs. And unfortunately, the, the, the demand of impressing people often causes us to ignore the significance of factuality. And so we get in the presence of people and the spotlight comes on and we we want to sound good and and we endear the crowd by claiming to be close with someone else in the crowd that the crowd is endeared to. So we say, so sometimes I'm sitting in the building and say, good to see my good friend Kenny Baldwin. And I'm looking around and going, is another one with my name in the building? I don't, have a, I don't have beef with you. You don't have beef with me. There's no art. There is no bitterness. But the truth of the matter is, you don't call me. I don't call you. Last time I saw you was the last time you told this lie in the pulpit. 
and we wasn't friends then. It's, 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 it's to me, to me it's, it's, it's not about me being upset. It's, 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 about, it's about devaluing the significance of a word by overusing it out of context. Somebody help me preach. See, if you drop friend all the time, when you get one, what's going to be the distinction? You say amen to everything, then what you going to say when something's actually true? If you shout during a song that don't have no substance, you ain't going to have nowhere to climb when you get a good song. Somebody help me preach. If everybody's a good preacher, then when you get a good preacher, you ain't going to know what a good preacher is. Hmm. Paul says, you're my friends. What do you mean? He said fellowship. We fellowship in the gospel. In other words, the, the depth of our friendship is based on what unites us. Come on now, if the only thing unites us is Chipotle. What kind of friendship is that? If we're only united because we, we, we celebrate the same sports team, if we're only united because we happen to attend the same church, if we're only united because we work the same shift in the same proximity, if we're only united because we play on the same team, if we're only united because we have the same skin color, if we're only united because we happen to like the same restaurant, if we're only united because we sit on the same pew, if we're only united because we hang out at the same place, if we're only united because we're working on the same project together, then when the project is over, when the cubicle is moved, when Chipotle has been digested, when something that comes bigger in our lives beyond our skin color, our friendship will end when the circumstances extend beyond the depth of the friend. But if we're united and united in the gospel ministry, then come rain or shine, come snow, come whatever comes in our life, there's a friendship that can travail and transcend those times because we're not hooked up on some culinary foolishness. We're not hooked up on some race baiting. We're not hooked up just on some black power. We're not hooked up on some political party. We're not hooked up just because we like some football team and we ain't friends when football's team season ends because we ain't have nothing to talk about. Thank God that the season is over, but I'm not just friends because I like the same team. I'm friends because I serve the same master and I work on the same workforce. We don't fellowship in football. We don't fellowship in food. We don't fellowship in donuts. We don't fellowship in ideology. We don't fellowship in political positions. We fellowship in the gospel. In the gospel. Now Paul says, as I think about you, for that fellowship, for that faithfulness, he says, I do it with a guarantee at heart. Verse 6, being confident. <laughs> you know, uh, we're living in a day and age of overwhelmingly nauseating confidence. I've never seen such a sense and aura of confidence in people that is, is so disappointing. We... we it just, it's just everywhere. We're, we're so advanced in America. We, we, the talent level in this country is, is so off the charts. It's, it's breeding in people it, an instinctive confidence that is a setup for failure. And so, so <laughs> social media serves as such a, an 
ample tool to boost your confidence. You don't have to look good. You just have to put a good picture up. Huh? You don't have to be good at nothing. You just have to get a good page. And people say, boy, they're good. Well, I'm telling you what, that, that boy is good at what he does. They lay some good floors. They don't lay no good floors. They just got some good pictures. You don't know if he lay floors till he lay floors. They got good food at this restaurant. No, 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 they got good pictures at this restaurant. The macaroni and cheese look like eight cheeses. You get to the store and the noodles is falling apart from the cheese. Because food doesn't taste good on commercials. Somebody help me preach. See, 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 I, I, I'm afraid that we have Christians that are engaged in rampant false advertisement. And so they're, they're coming to church with confidence. You know why? Because they spent all that time in the mirror that morning saying, Oh, you look good. Oh, you look good. Tell me again. You look good. You want me to tell you? You look good too. Huh? See, see, Paul said, I got confidence, but I don't have confidence in how good you look. Huh? That, 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 that's, that's, listen. That's trivial confidence that won't last because everybody got to go to bed and nobody looked that good when you first wake up. <laughs> the barn is only looking good because it just got painted. Rain comes. <laughs> Rust happens. <laughs> Your barn don't look that good. All right, so, so, so it's coming. Paul says, now here's my guarantee. I have a distinct confidence. Being confident. Do you see the tense of the verb? Being confident. This is a current, present, active confidence. Not I was, not a being confident. Amen. This is not Paul's confidence in him. This is Paul's confidence about something pertaining to them. Now, now, now listen, some of you in the building this morning say, Pastor, I'm trying to live for God. I want more and more in me. I, I want my life to be better. I'm, I'm tired of living in sin. I'm tired of failing. I'm, I'm tired of victory just being some distant ideal in my life, some prospect that I never actually experienced. I, I want to listen more and more. I don't want to just say it every Sunday morning, Sunday night, when I listen to you say it on Sunday night on screen. No, 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 no. I don't just want to say I don't just want to be a theme on the screens and a theme that we say. I want it to be an actuality in my life. I want more and more. Paul, Paul said, let me give you something while you are striving to have more and more in your life that ought to motivate you to do more and more in your love for God. He said, there's some confidence I have about you and it's some confidence that's distinct. Being confident of this very thing. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You can't be confident about everything in your life, but aren't you glad in Philippians chapter 1, 6, there is some very thing that you can be confident about. Uh, there's a distinct confidence. Here's the distinct confidence. Notice, though, there's been a divine commencement. Mm. That he, which hath begun a good work in you. 
there, there's no divine commencement. Well, watch this now. Some, some of you, I know my Christian, my Christian life got started when I was born. Because my mom and daddy was a Christian, and they made us go certain places, and they made us talk a certain way, and they made us go to church, and they made us read our Bible, and we memorized the Lord's Prayer, and we knew Psalm 23, and we, I got baptized at an early age. That's when my Christianity started. No, 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 no. If your Christianity started when you were born, then it means your parents started your Christianity. Paul said in being confident in this very thing that your parents began. No, no, no. He which had, aren't you glad? that what has started in you, you didn't start it, your mama didn't start it, your church didn't start it, your daddy didn't start it, your husband didn't start it, your preacher didn't start it, that what began in you by the work of salvation, God started. Well, he started the good work. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget, to to be saved is a good work. Let me say that again. Some of you are going to have to join in on this because, because if you're not careful, you will, be, you will associate and define your Christianity by all of these happenings in your Christian life that are a part of your life, but they're not Christianity. Huh? You know what Christianity is? Christianity is when God, in your wretched, hell-bound soul, looked beyond your fault and saw your, when he looked at your worthless, unproductive self, and not because of you, came to live inside of you and erupted, commenced, initiated, initiated, originated, began a good work. Watch this now. That you could not have started yourself. Let me close with this. I'm tired. There's a direct continuance. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Woo. Yeah, uh, this is coming to my mind. How many of you can remember the day you, you started somewhere? You started something, you first began, you were initiated, you signed up for the first day, you joined the class, you first started going to that cleaners, and it started off real good. Do you ever notice how crisp your clothes are when you first start going to the cleaners? After a while, they know they got you. I remember saying to the cleaners, I said, listen, this stain here, uh, I would prefer if you clean it and not just starch it. I didn't come to get a crisp stain. I came to get a clean garment. It's amazing how clean your collars are when they're drawing you in. Next thing you know, you get starched, stained. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying people start off good with you because they're trying to get you. But after they start off a while and get you, they drop because they figure once they have you, they don't have to be good to you because somebody, because they already got. Paul said, I'm confident in this very thing. God didn't just start me off good when he started the work in me. He's continuing the work in me. Mm-hmm. Them, 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 watch them, them clothes just as clean now as they were when God started. Mm-hmm. Does that encourage you? I tell you what. And it, you know what encourages me? That He's still working on me. Somebody say Amen. 
He's continuing the work. You know what, you know what else it does for me? Uh, when, I, when I begin to ponder the notion that, that he commenced it and he's continuing. Do, do, do you ever do, do you ever walk into a building and there are signs or notations up that says wet paint wet floor you know what they mean by wet floor it's not ready for you to be walking fast on it huh you, you, you know what they mean by wet paint? It ain't dry yet, so don't put your hand. In, in other words, don't treat it like it's finished. It's still, a, somebody help me, a work in progress. See, when I remind myself that he's still working on me, I'm not as impatient with other people because I begin to corral the reins of my brains to understand if I too am a work in progress that can't be expected to act like I'm finished, then give me the grace with other people because they too are a work in progress. And if I don't expect that much out of me, shame on me if I expect more out of others. I'm amazed at how many Christians with wet paint on them are touching all over other Christians like they're supposed to be dry. Judging. Ooh, I can't believe you did it. Let's put you on film. Huh? Because for every magnifying glass you're holding, it's about four of them being held your direction. And if you're going to roll the tape, present yours. Because we're works in progress. Come on. And he's doing the work. Amen. Paul said, Paul said I'm confident about it. Now, 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 now ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's do something today. Let's, let's remove the misplaced confidence in our lives in the wrong places. I'm, put, couldn't, I'm confident in my singing. I'm confident in this. something. no, no, no. Be confident in this very thing. God started the work in me. Come on, come on. Recalibrate your confidence. He commenced it. Of course, it's not. He's continuing it. While we sit in church this morning. Not bad. Not, 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 not bad. Nobody, we're not condemning anybody. We may look finished. I mean, shame on you if, if you don't at least try to come to church looking like something. You don't have to have a, a $1,000 outfit, but you, you can at least make the $10 one look good. So I don't, have, I don't have a lot of clothes to wear to church. I don't have, you know, I don't have a fancy wardrobe. That has nothing to do with ironing the one you have, cleaning the one you have, putting forth your best effort. God help us. Nobody around here ought to be condemning somebody because they didn't wear something up to your expectation. Shame on you because you're just a well-dressed Pharisee. That was a very well-timed grunt. I'd like to have a ringtone like that. And I would only put it on certain people. When you, when you, when you call, my phone said, mm. 
I'll know not to answer because <laughs> that's what your calls make me do. But anyway, uh, where was I? That, that, that grunt threw off my train of thought. So you ought to be trying to look your best for God. You, you did when you was out at that place last night. You, you, they got rules for how you look when you go there, and that's a bunch of sin. Huh? But, but just because you look nice and you're dressed up and your clothes are put together well, don't, don't let that make you deceive yourself into thinking you are a finished product. And, you know, I, I, I've, been, I've been around this thing for some time now. <laughs> I, got, I got saved when Mr. Clean had a bush, you know. <laughs> I, I, I was here at this church a long time ago. When I sang in the choir, we, we didn't have screens. We, we, we had red hymn books. I, I was at the old church up the street. I, 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 I was in the bus ministry. I was visiting for hours and hours. About that. I, I, so, so, so when you see me, just, just realize you're, you're talking about a veteran on the job. I've, I've, I've forgotten more than you'll ever learn. Is that how you sound? No, because Paul said, I'm sure about something while I'm in this prison cell, Philippians. I'm sure about something. When I got to Philippi and preached to you, God started a work in you. And guess what I'm sure about? While I'm locked up in this prison cell, I can't get to Philippi, but I'm not tripping because God is in Philippi working on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a work in progress. Aren't you? Let him work. Let him work. Let him work. And stop positioning, positioning yourselves in places that seem to obscure or oppose the work of God in your life. You know, I found out some Christians want to go to a church where God doesn't have as much access to work on them. Let me get one of them big old places where I can sneak in and sneak out and go, to, go home and feel good in my conscience because I went to church today, but feel convicted in my spirit because ain't no work happened on me. He commenced and continued. Hey, you can grow more and more because there's an inspirational guarantee that's happening. Thank you for the work, the, 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 good, the good work you're doing. Oh, God, work on us. Let him work. Now, now listen, you, got to, you not only got to let God work, you've got to acknowledge that you're not the only one he's working on. He's 
working on all of us. He began it. Now he wants to continue it. It's in progress. Dot, dot, dot. Pastor, I'm saved. He began a good work in me. I'm saved. Would you raise your hand all over the building? I'm going to heaven. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And the work of salvation was begun in me by God. Hands up all over the building. Put your hand down. Pastor, I need this inspiration by way of guarantee this morning. That, that same God that commenced it is the same God that's continuing it. God, I need, Pastor, I need God to continue working in me. I need to acknowledge that he's working in me. I need to acknowledge that he's working in other people. God has spoken to me from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 this morning about the continued work of God in me. Would you put your hand up all over the building? My, 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 my. Now work with him. Let him work with you. And position yourself in places where that that work is more conducive with success. That's important. Amen. Last question. Pastor, I don't know I'm going to heaven. I don't know if he ever began a good work in me. I don't know if, he, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Pray for me, Pastor. Anybody like that? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Pray for me. Anybody like that? Would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Now, here's my question. Would you like somebody to help you, tell you how you can know you're going to heaven? Because if you would, we'll let, we'll let one of our men take a Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. You're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Would you come now and let somebody show you? Don't be embarrassed. We'd be glad to help you. Come on. Come on, let somebody show you. Because guess what? Hell's a real place. Is it, church? Is heaven a real place? Now, don't we want everybody to go to heaven? There's only one door. Would you let somebody in this church show you how to go through that door? If you would, heads about and eyes are closed. No one's looking around, just me. Would you be willing to come? Would you be willing? Come on, God bless you. God bless you. Yes. Right here, this way. See that gentleman there? He's going to help you. Church, let's give God the praise that somebody's come to meet Jesus today. Now, listen. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. Is anyone else? You say, Pastor, I'd like to know that I'm going to heaven and I'm not sure I am. Come on, leave your seat. Would you come? We'll get somebody to help you. Because this is real. We talk, we're not talking about cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians. We're talking about heaven and hell. Pray all over the building, Christian. You're saying, Pastor, I don't know I'm going to he heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Would you come? Come on, come on. Pray, Christian. Pray if anybody's in here that doesn't know the Lord. Would you get up from your seat and just come and say, I want to be sure. I, I think I might. I'm not sure. I want to leave here sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Why don't you stand from your seat and come, come let somebody show you. Anybody else like that? We'll wait for you just a moment. Whether even if you weigh in the balcony, we'll wait for you. Because this is real deal. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, how about you, Christian? You need to make some decisions for the Lord about this work in progress. Raise your hand and say, Pastor, sometimes I'm hard to work with. Come on, I'm hard to work with. Put your hand up. I'm hard to work with. God's doing the work, but I have to let him. James 1, let patience have her perfect work in you. 
Philippians 2, let this mind be in you. I have to let him do the work. Father, touch your people. Oh, God, help us. Just as we are, give us your touch. And help us to let you work on us. We thank you for being a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. You stay in the spirit of prayer. If God is working on you, he'll do a good work. (laughs) 